Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. Thanks a lot for hanging out. I do appreciate it. Making me a part of your day. I know you got a lot of options. Don't you dare take them. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is Pete at the thepetecallendershow.com. A couple of weeks ago, I did a story from Reason.com, story by Billy Binion, um, talking about a case that would be coming down out of the U.S. Supreme Court because they had heard oral arguments and they were awaiting, um, well, we did the story after the oral arguments were held. And so we've been waiting now for these opinions to come down, and we now have an opinion that came down on the case of home equity theft. Remember this? There are a couple different cases. They all kind of got put together into one challenge that went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And this is a good day. This is a good day. This is a good decision. Remember, uh, it's one of the cases was in Hennepin County, Minnesota. A woman by the name of Geraldine Tyler. She was elderly. She had a home and she had a small tax debt on the home. She, uh, and so she, well, the tax debt got accumulated because she fell behind because there was crime in her neighborhood. She moved to a condo or an assisted living place because she was in her 80s. She moved and she was trying to sell the place, but because, you know, the, the situation in the environment around her home, which prompted her to move, made it difficult for her to sell the house as well. And so she ended up incurring a small tax debt, property taxes. She ends up selling. Well, the government ended up selling it. They took her property. They sold it for her. But then they kept all of the money. They kept all of the money. This is what's known as home equity theft. And I had no idea this practice exists. But it is legal, although maybe not so much anymore, in Alabama, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Nebraska, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, South Dakota, and the District of Columbia. But the Supreme Court ruling, hopefully, will limit its use now. The Supreme Court yesterday unanimously ruled that the government violated the Constitution when it took possession of Geraldine Tyler's condo over an overdue property tax bill and then auctioned the home off and pocketed the proceeds, which were in excess of what she actually owed. Tyler, who is now 94 years old, purchased the Minneapolis area condo back in 1999. A series of events, including a neighborhood shooting, prompted her to relocate to a retirement community in 2010. 
at which point it became difficult for her to pay both her new rent and the property taxes on her former home. She racked up a $2,300 tax bill, which turned into a $15,000 bill because the government added $13,000 in penalties, interest, and fees. Local officials then sold the home for $40,000. 2010, a $40,000 home. So they sell it for forty k, but they she only owed thirteen. I would submit she doesn't even owe thirteen. I would submit that the penalties, interest, and fees were punitive, ridiculous. You owe two thousand dollars and they charge you thirteen thousand. So they kept twenty five thousand dollars. They did nothing to earn that money. All they did was take her home, auction it off and pocket the profit. Tyler spent years arguing that that was unconstitutional. And thank God she did. Thank you, Geraldine Tyler, who spent the last decade and a half, you know, she was in her 80s when this first happened. She's now 94 years old. And she lost at all, uh, she lost at every one of the lower court levels and just kept appealing, just kept appealing. At the heart of the case is the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment, which says private property shall not be taken for public use without just compensation. And that is what the Supreme Court, again, in a unanimous decision, said the government had engaged in. There was another example here. fellow by the name of Kevin Fair, ironically enough, of Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, He had quit his job to become the full-time caretaker to his wife, Terry, who had just been diagnosed with a debilitating form of multiple sclerosis. So without a steady source of income, other than Social Security, he falls behind on the property tax bill. $588. $588. When he finally gets a notice in the mail that he had fallen behind, the notice comes from an organization called Continental Resources. What is that? Well, it's a private investor. And in Nebraska, this is another facet of this racket, which is a private investor can go in, they they find out who owes taxes, and they covertly buy the debt. And the homeowner doesn't even know it. And so they keep paying on it. And so now they say, oh, well, you owe us this money. And at that point, it was over $5,000. He didn't even know his house and the debt had been compromised by this company. His house is worth $60,000. So Continental Resources told him it's going to take the whole house. And in Nebraska, people are shocked about how the law actually operates, according to Jennifer Gaon. Gaon? Gone? G-A-U-G-H-A-N. How would you? Gaffon? Gaffon? Anyway, she is chief of legal strategy at Legal Aid of Nebraska. Quote, it's usually elderly people, people who own their own homes outright, who don't have a mortgage, which makes sense, right? You don't have the mortgage payment every single month. You get one tax bill at the end of the year or beginning of the year, whatever. And if you are living on a fixed income because, you know, you're retired and you haven't been putting money away, it's 
very easy. Or you have a big expense that pops up, some medical debt or something, and now you can't afford it, and so you you fall behind. And in Nebraska, somebody can come along, buy that debt, and then swipe your house and take all of the money. Like, this is, it's just outrageous. It's just outrageous, but hopefully this now, uh, this ruling from the Supreme Court changes that, and... Hopefully these states now get challenged if they don't do it themselves. I mean, I don't know how any lawmaker in any one of those states could allow that practice to continue. Why would you allow that practice to continue? What is in it for you, really? Like, how is how is the juice worth the squeeze on that? From a PR standpoint, you'd be, you'd be an idiot not to run a bill to ban this practice and highlight these cases. So... Let's hope we see some of that. Again, this is not an issue, apparently, in the Carolinas. I had never heard of it before. Um, but these cases making their way to the Supreme Court a couple of months ago uh, put it on my radar. So we have a, a, a beneficial conclusion. It's good news for private property rights. Good news. And thank you once again, Geraldine Tyler, for taking it all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court and winning. Uh, speaking of the Constitution, what's the deal with this 14th Amendment thing going on? I got an email, somebody asking me about what is the deal with the, you know, Joe Biden, the Democrats are talking about the 14th Amendment. Well, if you've got questions, so do I. But I, well, no, I, well, I did. I had questions, so I went looking into it. Uh, we'll cover that in a bit. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Everybody's watching and awaiting and to, to see if we're going to go into default, if the uh, economy's going to crash and the debt ceiling and the 14th Amendment and all of that. Um, so I did not know what all, all of a sudden I started seeing. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the debt ceiling talks and oh, my gosh, the sky is falling. Oh, what are they going to do? I don't know. And I have gone through this so many times. And if if we miss it, then I'll worry, right? If we're if if it's the day of or day before or day after, and stuff starts not happening, I guess, <laughs> then I'll then I'm kind of worried about it. But this is the this is what they do all the time, and I know that's how they get you. You know, that's how they. And all of a sudden, it's like whoa, whoa, whoa! They didn't do something. Now we're screwed. So I understand that, and I appreciate the, uh, you know, the sheep dogs that are barking in the night around the perimeter at, at every single noise i appreciate that i don't but i'm i'm not going to go out and check on every single noise out at the perimeter of the farm you know i'm not going to do it so um because most of the time it is just the wind but sometimes it's not so what is the 14th amendment and what has it got to do with all of this debt ceiling talk well i wrote or i read a piece by robert della hunty and john you not me john you well it's y-o-o john you Anyway, 
President Joe Biden and his advisors are entertaining the nuclear option, unilateral action, to continue borrowing without the consent of Congress, which is weird to me. It's I thought Congress had some sort of a role in the spending. Maybe I was wrong about that. I don't know. House Republicans have passed a bill to extend the government's borrowing authority, but it also included spending restraint, and we cannot have that. Reductions in the growth of the national debt as well, and work requirements for welfare. And we darn sure can't have that. Although President Biden had claimed that he would only sign a clean debt ceiling raise, he recently appointed two high-level White House officials to negotiate with Speaker Kevin McCarthy and the House leadership. Right, This was the box that Biden put himself in because he is such a master negotiator. He says only a clean debt ceiling raise. And I think he's actually left town now. And I think a lot of Congress has left town. But we can call you back if we get somewhere. Okay. Well, after a very long pause, negotiations appear set to continue. But if they come to naught, Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden risk a financial Armageddon. If the Treasury Department cannot borrow more money beyond the current $31.4 trillion cap, $31 trillion cap, that is what we are borrowing. That's what we owe. $31 trillion. Our economy is like less than $4 trillion, roughly $4 trillion, I want to say. Like, that's all of it. I want, like, I, it's less than that. And our budget is over $4 trillion. And we owe $31. And we're debating, oh, we need to raise the debt limit so we can borrow more. Guys, I, I don't think this is sustainable. I'm not a math whiz here. But if you keep spending more than you're making, ratcheting up the, the credit limit doesn't actually pay it down. It just lets you borrow more and more and more. I'm no government budget expert, but it seems pretty obvious to me. Um, And if they don't lift this cap, it, it may, the government may have to stop interest payments on the national debt or Social Security and health care benefits. So we have to stop interest payments. So we're... We're at the point where we're just we're just paying the minimum. <laughs> we're just paying the interest. We're not even getting at the principal here. Default would upend the $24 trillion treasury market, which finances the government and provides the largest and safest bond investments in the world and thereby cripple the American and global economies. So very little downside, what I hear there. Um, faced with this disaster scenario, or just to give him a bargaining advantage, Joe Biden may embrace a constitutional theory reportedly being debated by officials at the White House and the Justice and Treasury Departments. So under this view, according to this view, uh, uh, expounded by, among others, Lawrence Tribe, who, by the way, used to be against it, but now is for it because progressivism, of course, means privilege of never having to be held accountable for flip-flopping on your stances. But whatever, the president, according to this view, the president can issue new federal debt without congressional approval under Section 4 of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. 
We all know Section 4 of the 14th Amendment, of course, right? It being one of the bedrocks of our society. 66 progressives in Congress have sent Biden a letter urging him to take this very course. Well, what is Section 4 of the 14th Amendment? Well, just in case you were absent that day in history class when they spent, you know, the entire period talking about Section 4 of the 14th Amendment, this is, of course, the... Yes, that's right. The public debt clause. Right. Of course, everybody knows this. The public debt clause. And it was ratified in 1868. And it says the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for the payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned. Well, duh. I mean, that obviously applies here. I don't know why people are even questioning Biden on this. Well, I have some questions. All right. Hey, real quick. It is estimated that more than 6 million Americans have Alzheimer's. It affected my family. My grandpa had it. New research and treatments are showing promise, but there's still a long way to go. So can you help me by supporting the Alzheimer's Association's Western Carolina chapter? The Family Dance Party Charlotte's on June 10th. From 1 o'clock until 5 o'clock, it's at the Roxbury Nightclub in Uptown Charlotte. Go to Mix1079.com and get tickets and come bust a move on the dance floor or donate tickets to a family that's battling the disease. The Family Dance Party is presented by Jameson Realty. Again, if you can help us out, I appreciate it. Go to Mix1079.com and thank you for considering the request. Ratified in 1868. Section 4, the 14th Amendment. It's all about the debt of the Confederacy. That's what the 14th Amendment, uh, Section 4 of the 14th Amendment is about. It's about the debt of the Confederacy that, quote, shall be held illegal and void. Progressives believe that the Constitution now forbids default on the national debt. Therefore, the president, who takes an oath to uphold the Constitution and to execute the laws, could issue new debt to maintain interest payments on the old debt. Think about the absurdity of this. Like this, So once again, we've got the progressives that are finding some new way to interpret existing law. Like, oh, well, we had this power all this time? Wow, look at us. I wonder why nobody thought of this before. If this is what it meant when they wrote it up this way, Why didn't anybody ever utilize it this way, right? We never would have had sequestration under the Obama administration. We never would have had these other negotiations and and the near catastrophes of the the debt ceiling being broken, right? But now, thank goodness, we have the brains big enough to identify what the founders actually meant. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. They weren't the founders. This was in 1868. Yeah, it was after the Civil War, and it was about the debts of the Confederacy. But because the president takes an oath to uphold the Constitution, well, the, and this thing might be interpreted to mean that you can't default on the national debt. You know, step one, reinterpret this thing using, you know, what motivated reasoning we need. And then number two, something, something, something. And number three, crisis averted. Look at that. Perfect plan. What could go wrong? Now, progressives have always sought to centralize government. 
Their argument in favor of a presidential debt power is just another effort to undermine the American constitutional tradition. This, again, is according to John Yu and Robert J. Delahunty, writing at nationalreview.com the other day. But here's the problem. As much as they would like to divine meaning, new meanings, new interpretations off of words that were written a long time ago that actually had meaning and still do, much like they did with the divination of uh, a right to abortion that was buried under multiple layers of language in the right to privacy, right? Much as they found that, they find this, but there's a bit of a problem with this scenario. It's that there's actually explicit language in the U.S. Constitution that does talk about this. So as much as you want to reinterpret something with the Fourth or the 14th Amendment, the Clause 4, whatever, uh, yeah, there's a problem in that Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution grants to Congress alone the power to lay and collect taxes and to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and the general welfare of the U.S. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 2 gives Congress alone the power to borrow money. Article 1, Section 9 underscores the exclusive, uh, the exclusively legislative nature of the powers. It says, No money shall be drawn from the Treasury, but in consequence of appropriations made by law. Again, just for the progressives that might be trying to figure out a different way to interpret these, these words, quote, No money shall be drawn from the Treasury, but in consequence of appropriations made by law. That language categorically prohibits or enjoins, as they write, enjoins the president, the treasury, and any other federal agency from expending funds without congressional appropriation, no matter how urgent the need. It's very clear. And in fact, we have writings of the founders at the time they were drafting the Constitution. They were debating all of this stuff, and they were writing all of their thoughts about this stuff down. Madison, James Madison, during the Virginia Ratifying Convention, he said Parliament's powers of the purse gave it the ultimate check on executive authority. That's the point, he said. Quote, the sword and purse are not to be given to the same member. That's why they split it up as they did. You are the executive, declare war, that sort of thing. Or not declare war, that's, you know, Congress declares war. But the, the, you, you, you wage the battles and such, you wage the wars. Although nowadays they do kind of declare war, don't they? Um, but the sword and the purse not to be given to the same member. Under the British Constitution, the sword is in the hands of the British king. The purse is in the hands of the parliament, right? That's why you get to execute, but they get to spend. And that's really what this was like the this is like foundational, right? The power of the purse. Also, why limit this emergency power to the circumstances created by Congress's failure to avoid a default? Why why only this, right? If this power exists and it has existed all this time, we've just been too stupid to realize it, I guess. Wouldn't such a power 
be activated whenever Congress failed to discharge a constitutional duty? Right? I mean, if, if, if Joe Biden believes that Congress is failing in its duty, its constitutional duty to provide adequately for the national defense, then why couldn't he unilaterally issue Biden bonds? Right? Some Biden bonds. And then that would fund the gap that he sees, right? He wouldn't even have to wait for a debt default to be imminent. He could just do it whenever he wants. The president could have claimed that the COVID emergency, for example, gave him the power to reallocate spending according to whatever agenda he wanted. Mass transit, green energy, mandatory vaccines, chocolate milk in all the water fountains, whatever. Right? Moving away from fossil fuels or market-based economic solutions. Right? Democrats could have run wild with this but they didn't i guess they didn't realize they had the power to do this they didn't have to pass the inflation reduction act who knew right under the progressives new constitutional theory biden could just use the national security threat posed by covid as an excuse and then just issue some biden bonds and just start spending this option to have the president issue debt not approved by Congress does not exist. Right? To be clear, it does not exist. And until now, nobody in the executive branch has ever pretended that it does. But when you can't get something done legislatively, you're going to try to do it through the courts. And if you think that they won't try and do something like this, I'm not so sure. Remember, these are the people that did the student loan forgiveness knowing full well, right, they, everybody knew that that's not constitutional, but they did it anyway. The eviction moratoriums, right, but they did it anyway. The point is to get the accolades, to get the political win, knowing that eventually, yes, you might lose in court, but that's gravy. And when you lose in court, because what you did was unconstitutional, you'll suffer no negative ramifications. You're not going to get impeached over trying to do an illegal, unconstitutional act, Right. But no, then you get to campaign saying those mean old Republicans on the Supreme Court, they wrote against us. You're seeing it now with the uh, the response to the was it the Navigable Waters Act, the EPA thing. That was a that was a nine to zero ruling. And they're still they're still weaponizing it against the conservative members of the Supreme Court. That's your Democrat privilege. Fair. It's totally fair. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The uh, email is Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Let me get to an email here from Joseph. says, Pete, from what I have read, the 14th Amendment something to do mostly with a Civil War debt from the South, right? But let's, let's cut the crap. Every law, every amendment, even the Constitution itself, says what some leftist bleep Former lawyer in a robe says it does if he has the power of the state behind him to back it with force. The law is what the people with the guns say it is. Right. See, this is the thing. The law was supposed to be the thing that we all follow. Right. So we were all equal under the law. That's the whole point. And this is why people's confidence in the judicial system has been shaken is because it's across the board. But it's because people don't view the law as a neutral or fair arbiter because of these types of decisions. If you don't like the way a law is constructed, the solution is not to 
go judge shopping to find a lawyer that you agree with that happens to have a wardrobe change who then rules in your favor. That's not the way this is supposed to go. We're all supposed to follow the laws as they are written down, which is why the state Supreme Court had to go back and revisit the rulings that the Democrats rammed through in their lame duck zombie court session because they just made up stuff. Let me go over here to uh, Tim. Pete, regarding the debt limit, they always claim the sky is falling when the debt limit comes up. I saw a show the other day. I think Stephen Bannon said this is all smoke and mirrors. Uh, The reasons were, one, it is not a default if the interest is paid on bonds, which should be paid first. Number two, the U.S. Treasury is due a huge amount of money on June 15th uh, by businesses that pay quarterly. And three, spending on discretionary items should be last, like funding the stupid Ukrainian war and other highly suspect programs, too, numerous to list. Uh, Regarding property taxes, do you really even own anything if you have to constantly pay GovCo over and over and over again for something you bought and maintain? I think property taxes are even more insidious than the income tax. Yeah. Like, I hate property taxes as much or more uh, than I hate income taxes. Sales tax, use taxes. Look, this and this puts me at odds with a lot of Republicans, conservatives, quote unquote, right? Uh, Really, because, you know, limited government people, it puts me at odds with them because they are like, for example, here in North Carolina and in Mecklenburg County, and people are very, very, very angry over toll roads. How dare you charge me extra money for driving that extra lane? Everybody should be allowed to drive in that extra lane. Well, you know what? Use taxes, I'm okay with. It's like a sales tax. I'm okay with it. And if you don't want to pay the extra to drive a little bit faster to your destination, then don't pay. Don't pay. And, like, I understand the progressive argument against that. The lefties who say, oh, there's just a lane for rich people. Like, that argument at least makes some sense to me. I do not understand the limited government argument that says... How dare you do a use tax? Because that's that's actually preferable. Hot lanes, HOV lanes, stuff like that. You know, for you know, pay the well the the hot lanes are uh, or, or not not uh, HOV. Uh, yeah, high occupancy, whatever. So like you can then you have multiple lanes and you charge people more or less depending on how many people are in the car or whatever. And there are all sorts of permutations to that. And if you don't want to pay, then you don't have to. I mean, but you are paying through your gas taxes which is a use tax, or it's a sales tax, rather, right? But it is a use of the gasoline. So that, to me, at least makes some sense. But I am also a realist. That's what they say when they talk about me. I know. They always say, Pete, there goes Pete. He's that realist. And, um, <laughs> and, and But I, I recognize that uh, a lot of people cannot break free of this idea um, that we got to have the property taxes and the income taxes and all of that. I understand that. And I also understand, though, that you got to have some level of government. And this puts me at odds a lot of times with libertarians because they want to get as close to that anarchy side of the scale as they can. And they think that, you know, voluntarism will work. Anarcho, uh, sort of an anarcho-capitalist 
kind of viewpoint, I'm, and I'm not there. I, I think society always has. I think humans, it's just a natural thing that we do. We order our tribe, our village, our city, our town, our state, our country. We order ourselves around these rules with governing principles and such. And if you don't do that, then you end up with, you know, might makes right, which I completely disagree with. So, you, you know, we have some rules so people aren't running around committing vengeance against each other. We'll leave that up to the state. Thank you very much. Um, the 14th Amendment is designed to ensure the repayment of Civil War debts even over Southern objections. It barred the federal government from repudiating its existing debts. It did not explicitly or implicitly change the allocation of power to issue new debt. So the so-called debt ceiling instituted during World War I is not a limit, but a congressional grant of power to the Treasury to issue a certain amount of new debt with discretion over time and terms. But once the new debt's exhausted, there's, there's simply no authority in the executive branch to go out and borrow more. You don't just get to do that. After the showdown between Republicans in Congress and Obama in 2011, progressives decided that their party would from now on refuse to negotiate and instead always insist on a clean debt ceiling raise with no fallback position. And that's how we ended up where we are now. Republicans have proven to be more flexible on this, and it can only end with one side blinking, either Democrats making concessions or Republicans folding, or I guess with the government going into default for the first time in American history. So I guess we'll see if that happens. Nobody, I don't think anybody wants that. Both sides are playing a game of chicken. Biden is the only one, though, who's also threatening the constitutional order to get what he wants. But we shouldn't be surprised because he's done it before. You know, these hints at packing the court and such, right? This is what the left does. If you can't win based on the rules of the game that you're playing, you just flip over the board, right? That's the way That's the way they roll. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com.